Today's episode of The Doctor's Companion is brought to you by InStockTrades.com and DCBService.com. Welcome to another episode of The Doctor's Companion. I'm Scott Corelli. And I'm Matt Smith, but not that Matt Smith. And we're from MindRobber.net, the home site of MindRobber Productions, where we talk about all of the things on podcasts, uh, such as this one, where we talk about Doctor Who and The Mind Robbers, which is our flagship podcast in which we talk about everything that isn't Doctor Who. If you like our shows, you can review them on iTunes, or you could go to the website mindrobber.net and leave comments, uh, or you can send us your comments, concerns, questions, all that kind of thing, uh, to podcast at mindrobber.net, and, uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> so, <laughs> so... That just tapered off. So... Matt, this episode, uh, we're talking about the arc, and it is turning out to be our last Classic Who story for the next five episodes, um, because it was announced uh, very recently by the BBC that Doctor Who, uh, the new new season of Doctor Who would start on September 1st with five brand new episodes, um, ending the story of the Ponds. Uh, so that's happening. So yes. that's what we're switching to after this episode. Um, and I totally called September 1st, like three months ago. Yeah. Yeah. When they, when they announced the, uh, Doctor Who, like BBC America specials that were like ramping up the excitement, you were like, I'll bet everyone is September 1st. I'll yep. bet everyone. And you were yep. 100% correct. Woo! You, appara- <laughs> you apparently knew well before the BBC did or like to tell you it knew. <laughs> so that's it's nice. this, it's logic. Yes. Yes. Well, it'll be nice to actually have a new Doctor Who to talk about because uh, for so long as we've been on MindRobber.net, we've actually not had any new Who to talk about, which tells you how how long new Who has been off the air. Uh, But we'll talk about that next week. Uh, Wow, that really puts things into perspective, doesn't it? Yeah, 300 from – I did the math, and by math I mean I Googled it. Um, (laughs) Where the uh, where uh, Wedding of River Song was 337 days before uh, Asylum of the Daleks, which we're talking about next week. So that's just that's just a thing that I'll point out. That's uh, a lot of days. That's a that's a whole lot of days for a prominent television show to be off the air. Just just saying. Um, Golly. Yeah. All right. Well, we're talking about the arc. Uh, yes. The arc this week, which is a William Hartnell first Doctor story, uh, part of his third season, comes between The Massacre of St. Bartholomew's Eve, which is an episode I can't wait to watch. Oh, it's um, so good. So I know. Good. I know. That's why I can't wait to watch it. And The Celestial Toymaker, which is the opposite of that. Uh, <laughs> which, has, which has the dubious distinction of being possibly the worst Doctor Who story ever made. Ever. Uh. 
it's, just, it's so, or at least the most boring. That's for sure. Uh, oh boy! So it comes in between them. Yes. Yes. Um. So uh, tell us, what's the background of significance for the arc? Well, the arc, like you said, comes from uh, William Hartnell's third season, which means that it's the third season of the show. It. Uh. It, I think it's most interesting because it's the final story to be produced by John Wiles, who is the first producer to run Doctor Who after its first producer, Verity Lambert. Uh, he oversaw four stories, which were The Meth Makers, which we talked about a couple months back, uh, Dalek's Master Plan, which he really got saddled with. Like, that was originally supposed to be a six-part Dalek story, and then it blossomed to a 12-part Dalek story, and it was already put into, like, production before he um, uh, was able to uh, take over the show. So he had nothing to say about that. So the massacre and the arc are really his two claims to fame of the show that he really oversaw from beginning to end. Um, so it's uh, it's his last... It's it's his last story, and Ennis Lloyd is the producer who took over after him. Uh, it's so so. This is like his last story. Uh, it's also a story edited by Jerry Davis, who's uh, Ennis Lloyd's first story editor. It's the first story overseen by by Jerry Davis, um, and it comes because John Wiles really wanted to do a story set on a spaceship. Like that's all he really wanted to do. Uh, and boy, by golly, did he do that! Um, <laughs> just a big old story about a spaceship. It's also the first story to feature uh, Dodo as a companion. She actually appears in the final minutes of the massacre and just basically just like wanders into the TARDIS because she doesn't have a brain and uh, (laughs) shows up. No, she does not. (laughs) And then shows up in the arc uh, and just kind of walks out of the TARDIS. It's just like, ah, this is weird. We're in a a zoo now. It's just really funny. Um, but it's uh, it's interesting mostly because of its experimentation, which we'll talk about in a little bit. The, the third season is notable for its attempts to do stuff that is wildly experimental, and uh, we'll talk about that in just a little bit. But that's the arc. Also, I found it interesting that apparently the fourth episode of this season was the first episode in Doctor Who history to be recorded out of order. Oh, Yes. Yeah. So, like, you know, they was recorded according to set availability, mm-hmm. um, which is uh, – and then and then edited together later in the proper sequence, which is, like, I guess a new thing in 1966. Now everything <laughs> is shot like that. Yeah. I guess they just hadn't really thought of it, especially because uh, editing on videotape was really difficult. Um, uh, but, yeah, they, they shot the fourth episode out of order – and that eventually became the norm for the rest of the show. That's why Shada has all of the scenes in uh, Professor Cronotus's study, but nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but that's 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 yeah, you're right. That is the first. That is a first for the arc, and that's the way that they started to work it out moving forward. I don't know if it took over right away, but that this was the first to do that. So yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. All right. Well, before we start talking about the arc. Uh, I do want to remind you that today's episode is brought to you by InStockTrades.com. This month at InStockTrades.com, you can purchase our book of the month, uh, which is Revolver by Matt Kent, and it's available for eleven ninety nine, which is 40% off the suggested retail price of nineteen ninety nine. There's also a cheaper paperback version uh, that is less than $10. And uh, we're going to be talking about Revolver on The Mind Robbers, uh, next week, which would be episode 26 of The Mind Robber. So if you want to 
go pick up the revolver from or go pick up revolver from instocktrades.com read it and uh, follow along with us on the mind robbers you can do that and uh, order a couple of things because all orders over $50 get free shipping so who doesn't want free shipping thanks to instocktrades.com uh okay so <clears throat> the arc i don't i uh, so far I think the arc might be my favorite William Hartnell story. And I think I've said that before, but I think this one is better than um, the Myth Makers. Because I think I said that about the Myth Makers. You also said it about the Dalek Invasion of Earth. I'll point yeah. that out. Yeah, so, so you just keep uh, giving me better ones. <laughs> well, that's the thing about the Hartnell era is it's actually tremendously surprising, I think. Yeah, um, yeah. Especially because they just try a bunch of weird things. Especially yeah. in this episode. Um, yeah, well... And, like, William Hartnell, I don't think he's ever been more the doctor in this. Like, in this, like, seeing him walking around and stuff, like, I can feel, I don't know, like, the weight of the of the character on yes. him. Yes, yes. Um, in, like, an iconic sort of way. Whereas in other ones, you can watch him and, and, and tell. And, it's, and obviously, they don't know it here either. But... You can tell that the people making the story and William Hartnell have no idea that Doctor Who is going to be anything, and that there's going to be that you know he's going to be from Gallifrey and a time and you know a Time Lord and all of these. Uh, he's going to have all of these different faces because of regenerations, like all that stuff. They have no idea that any of that's going to happen, and it's it's very apparent in the early episodes. But for some reason, in this one in particular. This just feels like a Doctor Who story that would fit in any era, which is very strange to me. Yes. Well, I think it's because it spans a bunch of different eras. Um, because halfway through the story, spoiler, spoiler, uh, the story jumps 700 years into the future. <laughs> which is just a, a weird choice that, I, that to this day kind of blows my mind. Because I've never seen any story do something like this before or since. Um, uh, you kind I can't, of literally. Not, I don't think there's ever. I don't. I can't think of a Doctor Who story. The only comparison I have, um, and it's not seven hundred years. It's more like twenty years or something. Is uh, uh, Ocarina of Time, the Legend of Zelda game? Ah, yes, it does that. Yeah. Um, which I always loved and always blew me away when it happened. When mm-hmm. I played it the first time, I was just like. What? <laughs> and then you're running around and everything's different and you're just like, what? Yeah. So, so yeah, like, I, you know, not enough stories use time travel in that capacity. And I think it's really neat. Mm-hmm. The only story that I can think of in terms of Doctor Who that did something like this would be um, Long uh, Long Game and Bad Wolf uh, from the first season of uh, the new series. Because that is... Like, that is, they visit in Long Game, and then they affect change, and then they come back a hundred years later in Bad Wolf. Um, right. But that's, that's nowhere near this. Like, this is like, <laughs> this is like, they they get in the, like, halfway through the story, you think it's over. Like, they're just yeah. like, okay, well, goodbye, and then the, the, the monoid starts backing up really slowly, which is hysterical. Um, and then they get out of the TARDIS, and they're back, but, you know... It's 700 years later, and everything is totally different. <laughs> Everyone you knew at the beginning is all... They're all dead, and this is all their descendants, and it's just... It's nuts. It's crazy. Um, and it's, it's, it's so awesome. It's so awesome and exciting. 
just great just totally totally great yeah no i i uh i had forgotten that that's what this story was until they everyone was like because you had warned me that something happens that splits this story up between two stories mm-hmm. um uh, so i knew something was happening but or or i had forgotten that about that though when you had mentioned it mm-hmm. so i was watching it and everyone's like bye bye and i was like wow i got through this really fast <laughs> <laughs> For a Hardinal story, this just blew right through the plot, man. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> like that was the fastest ninety minutes of my life. Uh and then and then, you know, you're left on that cliffhanger on, on that on that like Planet of the Apes ish cliffhanger to episode two. And uh and I was just like, Oh wow, okay. Cool. Uh, yeah. Which speaking of which uh, that statue cliffhanger is great, and I—I I mean, I, I talked to you about this while I was watching it, but um, I love the design for the monoids. Yes, absolutely. Um, the monoids. Uh, if if because even if you looked up a picture of it, guys, I don't think you could really appreciate what they are. What they're basically—they're basically people in a full body suit, um, a baggy body suit. And there's a mouth hole, and they have long hair that covers where their eyes are. And their nose. And their, and, nose. and their nose. But there's a hole where their mouth is, and in their mouth, the actors are holding, like, an eyeball that they're moving around with their tongue. So, like, they have so, – so basically the monoroids have, like, lots of hair and one eye hole – and no mouth is basically what the design is, but that's that's how they're acting that design out is by moving a eyeball around with their in their mouth with their tongue mm-hmm. um, through the only hole in this baggy bodysuit. Uh, it's kind of it's it's like such a bizarre, creepy design. Yes. Uh, it's just, it's an unsettling design, but it's so smart and simple. Like, uh, I love it. I really yeah, love it. Definitely. And that's the thing is like, at first you see them and you're like, wow, that's a cool effect. How did they, how did they just get the one eye to do that? And why is their hair so big? And then once you see like how they're doing the effect, the effect actually gets weirder. Like it, it's really hard to describe. But but yeah. you've seen it, you know what I what I mean. Like once you see that it's their mouth, you can't see their you can't not see it. But you're also at the same time looking at like an eyeball where their mouth is. It's yeah. It's, it's so totally it makes bizarre. it even more alien looking. Yes, yes, yes. And it's yeah, a, it's a brilliant. You think figuring out how they do it would ruin the effect, but it actually enhances it in some weird way. Yeah, it's bizarre. It's bizarre. <laughs> yeah. Um But yeah, so it's it's awesome. So when when the doctor and Dodo, who I I immediately get annoyed with because <laughs> as soon as she walks out of the TARDIS, she just like prances to a stop in like this full Crusades outfit. This, like, Crusades Harlequin outfit and just, like, stops triumphantly and then Steven comes out and he's like, what are you doing? And then she just starts, la, 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 like, prancing around. And he's like, no, stop it. Just stop stop being so annoying. Like, get back back inside. Like, he just – 
He just can't stand her. He can't stand her. <laughs> Which I think is so uh, funny. But and uh, weirdly, Dodo's weirdly, the worst. Yeah, weirdly met it. She is, she is really awful. Uh, the way you described her to me, is, which is not wrong. And you'll have to explain what you mean by this. But uh, Dodo is the Star Trek Voyager of Doctor Who Companions. <laughs> oh, yes. Well, here's the thing about, here's the thing about it. Um, Star Trek Voyager as a show really only ever wanted to only be... Star Trek The Next Generation, and because it's shot so low, and because as shows you're never as good as you want it to be, I mean, very rarely are you better than you want it to be. Um, but Especially when you're you're trying to be something that already exists. Yes, exactly. Like, you're just, you're already aiming low by not being like, hey, let's do something good. Like, Star Trek Voyager as a show was always content to just be like, eh, we just need to shoot for this low level of quality and we'll be okay. And because they're shooting for a low level of quality, they just ended up sucking hardcore. While Dodo is basically just the, the production team going, hey, let's just try to be as good as Susan was. And, like, Susan's a fine companion. Like, I don't... I wouldn't put her on my favorite list by any means. But, you know, they're already picking a low a low bridge, and they just can't... Because they're shooting... They're, like, shooting for that, and it's so low, They and they fall short of it. Like, it's just... She just sucks. Like, she just is not a good companion. She's just boring and annoying and really just idiotic and moronic. It's... It's really... It's it's really it's really really funny and she has like the best worst lines of this whole story. <laughs> Every line Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> it's um it's amazing. Uh it is amazing. Uh my, my favorite my well, personal favorite. That well there's there's a few lines in general. She really only says one that's awful, but the ramifications of the one thing <laughs> lead to her being in a situation where she should have been tried for murder. <laughs> so How about guys, let's not let's not listen to the new companion that knows nothing. She does. She thinks she's in a zoo, like which, yeah. is, which is a fine sort of comparison, I guess. But there's this whole thing where she just doesn't explain how she got to the zoo. She's just like, "Oh, we're in a zoo," and it's like, "Who took you to the zoo? Like, how did you get there?" Like, I don't. It just doesn't make any sense. I mean, my personal favorite line that she says is like, "They're like, oh, well, we have no idea how to beat the monoids," and she just goes, "Well, why don't you just jump on them? They're not very fast." Oh and it's my god. Like, and it's just like, wow, that's 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 a plan. Great plan, Dodo. <laughs> everyone everyone should have just stared at her and then Steven should have taken her by the shoulders, walked her to the corner and be like, "You stand over here now." <laughs> just hang just chill for a little bit. Just, just calm yeah. down. It'll be okay. Go prance in the corner. <laughs> But instead of doing that, they all say, hey, that's true. <laughs> we've never thought of that before. In 700 years, we've never thought of jumping on a monoid. This is why, <laughs> this is why the doctor is necessary. Because there are a lot of idiots just running around on the ship. Like, people are just... <laughs> well, like the one where there's two slaves and 
one of the the girl slave and a guy slave, and the and and the woman slave is like, the one slave is like, hey, they've got uh the the visitors, they're time travelers, and he's just like, what 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 are you talking about? And she's like, she's like, yo, they they can travel in time. Their little box travels through time and space, and he puts his arm on her shoulder and goes, oh, that's impossible. <laughs> and then he goes. <laughs> And he says, I think you've just been a slave for too long. And I'm like, you mean her entire life? Yeah, I think it's been a while. I think it's been a while. And I don't I don't think the education system set up by the monoids is very effective. Like, I'll I just think, say that right now. <laughs> I think you've been a slave for too long. You, okay, two things. One, she's been a slave her whole life. So screw you, buddy. Two, so have you. Do you even, like, at this point, do you even know what a slave is? It's been 700 years. Isn't it just your lot in life at this point? Yeah, your caste system is this. Like... Because yeah. <laughs> really, like, 700 years, that's like, that's like, how how far is that going back? That's like pre-Renaissance at this point. Like, we'd have to go, you know, all the way back to the Renaissance. And and that's basically how long the humans have been slaves to the monoids. Like, oh, my God. Just, oh, it's just amazing. It's just amazing. You have been a slave for too long. It's affecting your brain. Man, the, all those years of servitude are really just getting to you, man. We should, we should, <laughs> they're we finally should getting. Back. We should do something about this. <laughs> pull it back. We could jump them. Great idea. <laughs> She's been a slave for too long. Let's jump on her. Yeah. That's. <laughs> oh, this uh, story. This story. Um, <laughs> and then the other great line, because there's three great lines in this. The third, the third one is the like Do- Dodo and uh, one of the slaves, I think, and then one of the the uh, monoids are are outside, and the monoid is like going to bring a guardian to them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he's gonna bring the guardian. And he's and she's like, okay, well, we're gonna go do this thing, and then you're gonna bring the guardian to us, and he's like. Yes, that's what I'm going to do. And she's like, "Wait a second, are you planning something?" N- n- no. <laughs> <laughs> he like looks both ways and then goes, "No." <laughs> it's the best like it's the best like oops you caught me delivery ever. Like in the history of television, I've never seen one that's so blatantly like Let's give it. A, let's show our hand. This, Monoid's clearly not good at lying. Just not good, because it's really like it's really like uh, uh, no, no. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's just it's nuts. It's it's just a completely crazy story, but so delightful in its execution. I will admit that the first two episodes. I'm glad are only two episodes because if that had been the whole thing, I would have been bored out of my mind. Yes. But those second two are oh, – they're so awesome. <laughs> There's nothing quite like them. The monoids are just like, hey, was there anyone in that ship? And the doctor's like, I didn't see anything. Ooh. Like 
Because <laughs> all the aliens, because the Ark, this thing about the Ark is this Ark is this giant spaceship that's from, like, from humanity, from Earth on its way to a new planet in a distant solar system. And they're all just going to spend lifetimes on this ship to go to this new planet. Uh, which which the indigenous habit- inhabitants are just like, yeah, come on and join the planet. That's great. Like, I don't understand. <laughs> Which I don't understand. So they they land on the planet and they 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 do a, a recon mission, and then they find the inhabitants of the planet, and the inhabitants of the planet are invisible, which is which is hilarious. But then the doctor gets every at every possible opportunity, just says, "I didn't see anything," like just as a just a terrible joke. <laughs> and the monoids are just like, well, then it must not have been anything, <clears throat> despite the fact that tons of weird things are happening. Like, <laughs> uh, I also i I love the fact that the humans on the ship, because uh, you know, in the in the first two parts, the humans are are the the lead of the ship, and then when they come back seven hundred years later, the monoids have taken over. The monoids being the humans. Uh, not slaves. They were just servants, I guess. They were like I... they were like the ood. Like they're just like they're ood's. Right? Yeah, yeah, kind of like the ood. Although even less so, really, because mm-hmm. like the humans were doing stuff to help them out and everything. Um, yeah. So it, was, it wasn't. It was really kind. Uh, yeah, like they were know. really nice to them. Like it wasn't like they were mistreating them or anything. Right. Uh, and. Uh, and it's just it's so strange that that there were only five of them uh five of the the monoids five or six of the monoids in the past and then there's only five or six of them in the future i don't really know how they took over the ship <laughs> also i one i don't really know how they took over the ship uh but two after 700 years those the monoids and the humans both should just be inbred to just uh, like blobs of like biomatter at this point, like three-eyed freaks. You know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Seriously, because I mean, it's one of those things where it's like usually Doctor Who can get away with something. Like they only have they clearly only have the budget for like five monoid costumes. That's clearly their budget. But like the the the, the for some reason, the script decides that it's just going to number the monoids, and the number of monoids only goes up to seven. Like, only, <laughs> only to seven. And like, they... it would have been so cheap to just have it be a removable sticker on the collar so that sometimes it's monoids one through seven, sometimes it's monoids one, seventeen, and 356. Like... Or it, Monoid 1,732. You know, yeah, like. it would have been so easy just to set up the fact that, yes, you're only seeing seven at a time, but there are thousands of them. And it's because, a really see, big ship. Numbered. It's a really big ship. Yeah. But they don't. They just don't. They don't. No. <laughs> Which means that the mutual, like, genocide of the Monoids happens very quickly. Because at the end of the story, one of the monoids is like, eh, I'm tired of this. Insights Rebellion, and then the monoids just point guns at each other and shoot, basically, is how the story kind of ends. <laughs> and they just, they clearly didn't plan ahead because the whole genocide thing takes about 30 seconds. Like, it just, <laughs> it's, it's over before you know it. Like, one monoid shoots, and then literally there's just all over the ground, and they're all dead. And it's like, okay. All right. Genocide. <laughs> 
I think it's the only time that seven seven deaths have equaled mass genocide of a species. Well, proportionally speaking. Proportionally speaking. Huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also, at one point, uh, the, when they first arrive on the planet, when they figure out that they're they they figure out they're in a spaceship, because uh, originally, apparently, Dodo and Steven never look up. Uh, <laughs> because as soon as the doctor looks up, he's like, oh, hey, look, it's a roof. And they're like, what? And they're like, oh, it is a ceiling. Weird. Uh, so, yeah. D- if you want to kill Dodo or Steven, attack from above is what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, well, isn't that, isn't that what happened with the more machines? I'm just, I'm speculating here. I'm speculating. <laughs> Dodo got that phone call from above. Like, that's really... Yeah, yeah, I think so. <laughs> Maybe when she said jump on him, she meant from above, because... <laughs> No one looks above. She was like, she was like, guys, there's this whole world above us that we're not <laughs> tapping into. It's it's just above us. We need to we need to just look up. Have you ever played hide and go seek? I was never very good at it, but man, if I just looked up a little bit, I would have been great. You know. <laughs> uh. <laughs> oh, Dodo's not too bright. Um. Yeah. So so as soon as they look up and the doctor's like, "Ah, oh, we look, we're in a spaceship. It's it's not we're not outdoors. It's just a giant zoo place sort of forest jungle thing." And uh and they're like they're they're, you know, Steven and, and Dodo are are sort of, you know, me- mesmerized by this uh like the, by the control center in the center of the of the uh the spaceship that looks sort of like a city mm-hmm. and you go inside the city and the humans are like, Hey, we've, uh, we got some people walking around in our jungle. And they're like, Oh, he's like, well, we should probably bring them in for questioning. And, the, and he's like, Oh, okay. So he goes out there and he's like, but let's invite them. Let's not arrest them. Okay. And the guy's like, Oh, okay. <laughs> so then, you just he walks off and you're like oh so they're going to be met by some by some human uh uh some 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 humans some human security or something and they're going to bring him into town and uh you know be questioned or whatever i was like okay that's what i was expecting and then all of a sudden like a dozen monoid children just stand up around the doctor <laughs> steven and dodo and surround them it's legitimately terrifying. It is so scary. <laughs> Little monoid children. That's who they said to bring them in. <laughs> that's that that's that's clearly an invitation in the in the fifty seventh time segment. That's clearly that's, what that is. That's nightmare fuel, is what that is. <laughs> Oh, that's the other thing about this story. Uh, 700 years, that's a long time. You know what's a longer amount of time? <laughs> In the first five minutes when the doctor and everyone are talking to the, to the, to the head dude of the humans – or they're called guardians in this, but to, uh, to the head of the guardians, they're like, they're like, oh yeah, we've been all over the cosmos, and they're like, oh, everything you've traveled in was in what we call the first segment of time. We're in the fifty seventh segment of time, and the doctor's like, oh. So, like, 15 million years in the future? (laughs) (laughs) Guys, that's a long time. That's a long... That's a long time for people to be around. I'm just saying. I'm just, you know, I'm saying. (laughs) Uh, 
Oh, also my favorite, my personally my favorite thing about the first two uh, two episodes is it's really just a great example of why separation of powers is a really great thing for a government to have because. You have this trial where basically Dodo get Dodo brings the common cold to these humans. The humans uh, get infected with the common cold and all start ma- dying on mass or getting sick on mass. So they put the doctor in, and on trial. The doctor and his companions on trial. Stephen stands trial and uh, starts to, starts to get a little sick. And then there's this random dude. So like the so the head guardian gets infected and he's out for the count. He's on his deathbed, sick, 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 and this guy sees that this is happening, thinks that this is time for a power play because it's not Doctor Who unless there's a power play. Um, makes a makes a run for power and just like holds this trial, finds Stephen, the Doctor, and Dodo guilty, and says, "All right, send them off to the execution chamber or the punishment chamber, or whatever is going to happen." And then the actual head of state, the the, gar- the head guardian who's on his deathbed, sits up in bed and goes, "No, I forbid it. This will not happen. Your trial is invalid." Stop it. Give the doctor everything he wants, and then he falls back on his bed. Okay, this is basically like the President of the United States coming in, getting a, getting a ruling from the Supreme Court, and goes, mm, No, no, no. That's not <laughs> no. <laughs> We're not, I'm, not gonna, I'm, not, I'm not okay with that, so I'm just going to say it's not. That's not how government should work, honestly. <laughs> like Checks just, and balances. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Clearly, the court has has no say or real power af- at all. It's really just about this crazy dictator who, thank God, he's a kind old man. Like, thank God, he's a kind old man, and way better than those monoids who take over later. <laughs> he literally just says, "No, you're. This is ridiculous, and we should actually give them everything that they say for." And everyone's like, "All right." <laughs> Regardless of the fear mongering that the that the that the that the replacement power play guy is making, it's oh, it's so ridiculous. It's so it's so insane. It's so insane. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. So I really love this episode because it's just really fast paced and silly and fun. Yeah, and it's and it's like two two part stories and yeah. And and those always go fast. Like the, the Hartnell two parters are really really good. Um, and it's and it's still like it's deeply wildly experimental. Like this this season does this story. Like that's that's really kind of awesome to me. Like I still I still love the just it's two stories that take place seven hundred years between each other. Like that's I, I oh, let's let's see that happen again. Let's see that happen. Um, you know. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and what's what? When does the uh, animated Hartnell story come out? Uh, sometime later this year, Reign of Terror. Okay. Which I didn't. I didn't love. I didn't love when I okay. rewatched it recently. It was not great. Hmm. Why did they yeah. pick that one then? That's sad. Because it only has two episodes missing. That's why. Oh. And it's a six-part story, so they're getting a lot of bang for their buck. Okay. Yeah. So they're gonna do that one, and then probably the Underwater Menace now. <laughs> Actually, I think they'll probably go and do the Ice Warriors because they haven't released the Ice Warriors le- yet, and the Ice Warriors is only missing two episodes. So, oh, yeah, okay, that's what that's what big speculation is. That's what people are thinking because that's Warriors. the yeah because that's the only story that hasn't had its material. It's like extant material released on DVD. So, oh, I see. Yeah. 
and it'll be a lot more fun to watch it animated than heavily cut down and narrated like we did, which was yep. not fun. That wasn't super fun, no. Yeah, yeah. It's not super fun. Plus, animated Troughton. It's good stuff. Oh, it's great stuff. It's great stuff. All right, well, uh, that's the arc. Before we move on, I want to remind you that today's episode was brought to you by DCPService.com, which is the site that you can order uh, pre-order all of your monthly comic book statues, action figures, uh, anything you can get from a local comic book shop. You can get from DCPService.com. You place your orders uh, like two to three months in advance, and uh, the regular discount is 40% off, but sometimes they've got... Uh, They've got uh, discount specials that are like 75% off, off like uh, new number one issues and, and things like that. Sometimes there's, uh, if you pre-order like trades and, and hardcovers, you can get them at 50% off. It's pretty nice. Pretty nice. Yeah. Uh, and you ship as often as you like within the month uh, with orders large or small as you like. And you only pay six ninety five dollars uh, in flat rate shipping. Um, so, uh, you know, ship weekly, bi-weekly, monthly, whatever. It's only six ninety five. Uh, thanks to DCBService.com. Go there and order some things. Uh, next week, the return of Matt Smith as the Doctor and New Who with Asylum of the Daleks. Yes, and then, you know, we'll be here every Sunday. Or, you know, it should come out on Sundays. Every Sunday recording and talking about uh, new Doctor Who, which is a mm-hmm. welcome relief. Welcome. And then uh, when New Who is over, we'll be coming back with... Uh, David Tennant and the episode 42. Um, and I think we'll also start our uh, discussion of uh, Series 5 because when we talked about Series 5 on the show originally, I had a different host. So yes. um, we got to get um, Matt's, uh, uh, Matt's opinion on everything. So I think that'll be good to, to bridge the gap between uh, the – first five episodes of, of the new series and the Christmas special. Yeah. Hopefully it all squeezes in. Hopefully. Um, and we don't 13, have 13 weeks. I, that's, that should fit in, right? October, November, most of December. Yeah. It should, it should be about right. If, especially if we do the two parters as one. Right. Uh, exactly. Yeah. No, yeah. We'll, we'll fit it in. Yeah. That's fun. We'll bridge the gap. Fill the void. Fill the empty spaces. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Yeah, so forty-two, and that's and that's good because God knows we won't have enough Chris Chibnall. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Because <laughs> Chris Chibnall's doing uh, two stories out of the uh, out of se- out of this first block of series seven. So, and we come back to a Chris Chibnall story, which is not planned. Not planned. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, so that's uh, that's what's coming up next. In the meantime, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm twitter.com slash Scott Corelli. Also, twitter.com slash Scott Commentary, where I'm mostly watching Deep Space Nine and talking about that. <laughs> Which is welcome. Love it. It's awesome. Yeah. It's awesome. So uh, look forward to more discussion of Deep Space Nine as I make my way through that show for the first time. And I'm making through it very quickly because, man, did I need a science fiction show in my life. <laughs> I was science fiction deprived. And that's with wa- watching Doctor Who every week for this show. I still felt science fiction deprived. Yes. Uh, Matt, in the meantime, where can people find you? 
You can find me on Twitter, as always, twitter.com slash Gugadin. You can also find me on my alternate Twitter account, twitter.com slash gdcommentary, where I also sometimes tweet about Deep Space Nine or whatever I'm watching at the moment. Um, uh, trying not to spoil too many things for reveals I'll talk about on the Mind Robbers, which is our other flagship podcast, which uh, you should listen to. You should listen to. It's really, it's a lot of fun. It's a great time. It's a great time. Uh, still has show notes. Um... Uh, and those aren't those aren't going away. Uh, you can also find me at my blog, classicalgallifrey.blogspot.com, where I talk about Doctor Who every week, classic stuff, analyzing, discussing, having a jolly good time. Uh, this past week I talked about the Highlanders. This week I'm talking about Galaxy Four. But uh, if you haven't tuned in and lately, you should really go back and listen and read my review of Shada because I haven't had a chance to plug that on this show yet. So uh, go read that. Hell of a read, but hell of a fun time. Hell of a fun time. Uh, so yeah. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah, yeah. All right, guys. Uh, leave iTunes reviews. Uh, go to the website and comment on this or email us at podcast at mindrobber.net. Um, otherwise, we'll see you next week with Asylum of the Daleks. Bye. Yay! Bye, guys. Bye.